Welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Sports Travel Tour, Sports Travel for Sports Fans, by Sports Fans. And you're listening to uh, the first podcast we've done outside of the studio in a while. We're back on the equipment from the Super Bowl. Let's see how that works out. It's been a week of free agency moves. We'll look at the biggest movers and shakers. And we've got some fantastic interviews, including two, not one, but two Kansas City Chiefs. This is the Gridiron Show. Has my presentation become any better now? You know I'm a big radio star, Ollie. I don't know what you're talking about, mate. <laughs> Your presentation at the moment is disgraceful. You're wearing yellow gonzo pyjama pants and a rather tight-fitting Ronnie Lott jersey. This is not tight-fitting. This is well-fitted. And it's a, and it's not even a Ronnie Lott jersey. It's a Justin Smith no, jersey. Justin Smith. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I, that's because I hadn't really got out of bed yet when you came round. Uh, we are sat in my front room, as per the tweet. I called it the man cave. It's not really the man cave. Wait until the new house. That's going to have a proper man cave in it. Loads of great stuff to come up on today's show. We're going to look at free agency the last week or so, what the big moves are we like and don't like. And we're going to be hearing from not one, not two, but three great interviews. Two from the Kansas City Chiefs. Shaquandrick West, the running back who came in and did such a great job last year after Jamal Charles went down. And their owner, Clark Hunt, plus Colts offensive lineman Jack Muhort on what it's like to block for Andrew Luck and block against J.J. Watt. Uh, but we are... Uh, we basically i'm in a bit of a state of disrepute i spent the weekend first of all practicing and then doing my first ever show on Talksport 2 how did it go well i have it, to ask it was um up and down uh, there were some great moments there were some less some great, great great moments yeah there was oh my god the, <laughs> the, the some of the worst banter you've ever heard in your life between me and the tennis commentators but kind of it was it, the thing is it was banter and tennis commentators. It was, it was oh my right. god! So it was it was the right it was pitched at the right level, so it sounded just like fun and inclusive and stuff. But it was like when you hear it back, when I say to you what I said, it sounds ridiculous. So I was it, what happened is every time they were switching ends or there was an end of a set or whatever, they throw it back to me in the studio. I do like a couple of minutes, read some tweets, interaction, go around the results elsewhere, just the pretty bog standard stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it came back to me, and Joe Contra was playing at the same time as the match we were watching uh, we Johanna Conta yes no, yeah. we're calling her Joe Conta because I it, when I go Johanna I sound ridiculous <laughs> uh, it's all right the other guy couldn't say Zverev so it's I felt better about so what sorry and <laughs> Alexander Zverev Zverev he kept calling him Zverev all right uh, okay. so uh, anyway uh, I said um good news for those uh, invested in the British interest left in Indian Wells, uh, our final competitor, I meant in the singles. Um, Joe Contra has just broken in the second set. She should now take this one and take the game the distance. And as it came back to the cricket, the, the cricket, the tennis commentators, the guy Chris Wilkinson the other went, I hate to correct you, Will, but Jamie Murray is still taking part in the doubles after winning earlier today. And I, and I was like, right, okay, going to be like that, is it? So <laughs> later on... You thought, I'm going to him over exactly so <laughs> later on there was a bit of a <laughs> later on there was a bit of banter they were having because one of them accidentally called sam uh query sam perry and he was like well much like fred perry the greatest uh tennis player in british history and the other one went or luke perry from friends and sort of came back to me i went actually i hate to correct you guys <laughs> luke perry was in classic 80s teen tv show beverly hills 90210 matthew perry was in friends <laughs> oh my god i guess you kind of had to be there <laughs> 
exactly. Whoa. Exactly. It was terrible, very low-level banter. But <laughs> I mean, I mean <laughs> that's Skid Row banter. <laughs> that's awful. But otherwise, you know, there were a few technical glitches, but otherwise it went really well. But my body clock's a little bit all over the place. So last night I went to bed at the same time as my wife on a weekday, which was a rarity. hey Yeah, exactly. Sorry, uh, pitching there. <laughs> but the... Um, uh, I woke up at about three in the morning and then didn't get back to sleep till seven, eight o'clock just because I'm all over the shop. Is it because you can only really sleep when it's light? When it's light outside, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm like a vampire. I'm like gingers are like vampires. We hate oh, sunlight no. that much. Uh, <laughs> so I, uh, I didn't get up until, I, well, I set an alarm for 10. I was going to get up at 10. I was going to get my hair cut before you came round. Obviously, that's not a time specific Don't get your thing, so I can go I like, afterwards. I like no, it like definitely this. needs a trim. There's uh, it's a mess. It's only doing like sides and back. The length on top's going to stay. Don't worry, Ollie. Okay, but, good, good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hashtag haircut pants. Um, but, if I can't have it, you must have it. <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, I fell back asleep after my alarm went off. Uh, woke up in a daze at 11.30, knowing you were going to turn up at 12. And you know when you wake up after a deep sleep... When you fall back asleep, you've got this, like, a little puddle of drool at the side yeah, of your mouth. Yeah, yeah. It was one of those, whereas I had my face smushed into the pillow. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I hate my life choices. What have I done? I hate Ollie. Why is he here? <laughs> because we've agreed it, and I didn't want to come all the way and be outside your door. For a second time. And then leave again. <laughs> if you didn't reply to me, by the way, I'd have just gone straight into London. Oh, I yeah. That, that, bothered. That, that, that's, that would have been very sensible as well. We could have done it over Skype or something, but I think people like it when we're together. I, I, I'm sure they do. I don't. Oh, yeah. Screw you. I don't know. Just what the first one that was on there. Uh, <laughs> I forgot about. It. I hadn't updated the soundboards. There's a lot of uh, old ones on here. Oh, we're going to do free agent chat. Let's just start off with this. Why are you playing this, Will? Because our buddy from Radio Row, Kelvin Beecham, is coming to London. Oh, really? Yeah, it's interesting to see what this is going to do for the Jaguars. He signed for the Jacksonville Jaguars. We haven't had the information Jaguars. about the deal because it came out last night. Jaguars. Um, but I, it, I, when I say our buddy from Radio Row, we often say friend of the show and stuff like that. When some guy's been on once for 10 minutes and probably wouldn't have a clue who we were if we bumped into him on the street. But Kelvin Beecham like, followed us on Twitter and DM'd me a few times. He's like, hey, are you guys back in London now? Did you have a good trip and stuff? Of course, I DM'd him last night to congratulate him on joining the Jaguars and offered for him to join us on the show. He hasn't responded yet. <laughs> Five hours behind. He probably had a big night of celebration, yeah. some Prosecco perhaps. It's only four hours behind at the moment, though, because of the time difference. Okay, four hours behind. He's ignoring you. He's had plenty of time to get back to me. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Either way, though, uh, I'm, I'm excited. that I, I, It's interesting what it's going to do for Luke Jokel, the guy they took right at the top of the draft a few years ago. They're going to kick him out to right tackle. That's very much a possibility. Kelvin Beecham, as a smaller guy, could move to right tackle, although he's done an excellent job as a seventh-round draft pick, as a left tackle in Pittsburgh so yeah I just I saw the London Watch tab I thought let's drop that one in nice and early drop it like it's hot no okay um <laughs> <laughs> the good thing about doing a podcast at midday is that we're at no risk of news coming out whilst we're doing the show yeah but it will be obsolete by the time people probably listen to it because loads of news will come out and then we won't have covered it off another person well a bit of a London Watch but he's not coming to London is James Laurinaitis will yes thank you 
He has been in the past. No, let's. Right, we're going to talk about the Rams, but let's let's move back into the structure of how we were going to originally. Oh, do fine. Things. I thought I was segueing nicely. <laughs> that was a nice segue. But what we'll do? Let's talk about the three teams who have made the most slash biggest moves over the last few All right, days. Go on then. Uh, we'll, we'll get to the Ravens and the Bears as well. But the Patriots, they waited, they looked for a bar- their bargains in typical fashion, and they started off with what was a pretty blockbuster trade. The Patriots trading Chandler Jones to the Cardinal in exchange for a second-round pick. <laughs> Who's the Cardinal? Jonathan Cooper. To the Cardinal? To the Cardinal. <laughs> it's <laughs> the, the head of the Diocese of the Church. He's, <laughs> He's the Cardinal Woolsey. Now that the spotlight's come out, they can no longer uh, enjoy the company of younger men, so they've had to trade for NFL players. To, uh, I, I've gone down a horrible, That's horrible a, road that I'm I cannot even, recover I'm from here. Go- they've tra- they've, uh, they, they sent him to the Cardinals in Arizona. Uh, yes, they sent him to Good. the St. Louis Cardinals. No, wait, hold on. That's uh, the baseball team. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> right, so the New England Patriots trade challenge. I mean, Chandler Jones is a big playmaker on that defense, but they've got a number of players on the defensive side of the ball who are out of contract this year the likes of Jamie Collins uh, I'm pretty sure Jabal Sheard was only on a two-year deal uh, so they're gonna have to and um, well, we know Malcolm Butler's looking for a new contract as well so there's a few guys there who they're gonna have to pay and so they've made the decision at this point rather than cause themselves the issues next offseason they've improved on the offensive line I think Jonathan Cooper's been uh, a, a little bit uh, of a letdown there Picked quite high in 2013, you know, highest guard picked at that point. Uh, only had 24 starts over the last two seasons. But young, got talent, mm. sort of bargain that, you know, if you get him and a second round pick, you know he's probably going to end up turning into a starting guard and Bill Belichick will do something brilliant with him. But uh, Jones, 12 and a half sacks, four forced fumbles last year. I thought he looked brilliant through the regular season and he's a player I like a lot. So uh, for the Cardinals, really good move. I think it's a good move from the Pats as well because, I mean, he did have that issue of turning up naked in the snow at a police <laughs> station with legal marijuana. I don't know how that works. But I legal, completely forgot about Legal that. marijuana in his system. Um so th- th- there is a slight issue there. Perhaps it could be a recurrent issue. Maybe shipping him off. It was the easiest of the three or four people uh, of the guys that they probably would would they would probably like to retain him or re-sign him. But cap wise, money wise, I think it was a good move for both both parties. And also the Pats also get I think it's a, t- a second round pick in return. And the fact that they've uh, don't have a first round pick this year. That will be obviously that's needed for for replenishment and. I mean, the Patriots never pick in the first round anyway because they end up inevitably trading out. They actually did this year, so that completely negates my point. But you know what I mean. I, hey, I know what you mean. You know what I mean. Um, they also uh, in turn agreed to a one year deal with Chris Long. So Chandler Jones goes out of the building, somewhat of a surprise. They bring in Chris Long. He's not been great over the last two years. Had problems with injury. I not thought... had a lot of starts. But I'm a big fan of yeah. of Chris Long's and. To get a guy a lot cheaper who, all right, I don't think he's Chandler Jones, but potentially. It feels like the Jabal Sheard trade from last year where they brought in a guy who, with the Browns, a lot of potential, didn't quite live up to it. Chris Long, we loved him up until probably he came out to London, in fact, and then yeah. he's had a bit of a drop-off since then. So I, I love that pickup as well. And then they go out and they get Mateus Bennett. I, I love this move. I think this is a great move. And, I mean... Again, they're, I think they're getting um, 
they're giving away a, a, a late round draft pick. I think it's a, it's a, a, a sixth round pick to the Bears plus Martellus Bennett. But they get, I think what they get is a really good pass catcher, a guy that's good at, at blocking as well. And we'll see more two tight end sets. We'll see perhaps more Gronk in, uh, either in the slot or out wide as that, that, uh, as that sort of first down threat or, or Bennett doing that as well. I think it, it proves that the Pats are starting to try and vie the Steelers as having a really exciting offense. Put in, plug in Dion Lewis. You've got Julian Incredleman in there as well. It's really exciting. If you look at what they've done on the... Uh, you look at these two tight ends have done over the past two seasons. They rank second and fourth, respectively. Bennett and Gronkowski in receptions per game among NFL tight ends. Uh, I, I think a lot of people immediately went, oh, this is going to be Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski again. Yeah, I think it's more than that. I actually think when you look at what Brady does at the line and how he is able to read an oppos- opposition defence decide where the, the mismatches are going to be, realign people based on mismatch. These are two big mismatch guys. They're both 6'6". Mm. Six, six. They both weigh 240-odd pounds. You know, big, hefty, tight ends who can also catch the ball are also quick. So I, I, this is terrifying to me. And you mentioned you've got one of the most dangerous pass-catching backs in Dion Lewis. I think the only thing they now need is a real banger at running back. And I yeah. know they've been linked to a few different guys over the off-season, not end up picking anyone up as of yet. But if they go out and make that sort of signing, then the Patriots' offense suddenly alongside the likes of the Steelers. The Bengals have lost those wide receivers, but I still think they'll be dangerous with the two running backs they've got there. And you know what? The Jags and the Raiders, those the kind of other ones yeah. you look at have got yeah. exciting offenses. So the AFC is looking like an exciting offense. It's really conference. loading up, isn't it? Yeah. Really loading up. And that's great. Loving Even it. if it is the Pats. Loving life there. Uh, moving on to the Bears. They've made a few signings of their own. They signed Jarrell Freeman from the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, $12 million, $6 million guaranteed over three years. Pretty good money for Jarrell Freeman. Of course, we talked about the fact they brought in Danny Trevathan. Uh, it's a big upgrade. Shane McClellan moved inside last year and looked like a decent player. Has McClellan gone to the Patriots as well, actually? There was some rumour of that last night. Just have a quick look up of that, because it, it was rumoured when I was going to you know, bed last night, but I actually never quite figured it out. But... You, you've got Jarrell Freeman's coming on a three-year deal. They then went out and got um, on the uh, defensive line Akeem Hicks, former Patriot, 10 million, two years. He was an interesting pass rusher, defensive end, um, 26 years old. He was scheduled to meet with the Lions as well. When you put him in alongside uh, Eddie Goldman, the big nose tackle in the middle, Danny Trevathan, suddenly you're going, last off-season we went Vic Fangio. Yes, Patriots have signed. Shane McClellan, three-year contract. That's another good deal for the Patriots, considering that they're like, they need depth at linebacker with all the injuries they've had, so that's a great deal for them. We Last off-season, we talked about Vic Fangio going to the Bears and said, look, one of the greatest defensive coordinators in the league over the past five years or so, what he did with the 49ers was fantastic, but their personnel just doesn't sit with his 3-4 system. They don't have those outside pass rushers. They don't have the right kind of defensive end. Suddenly now, a front line of Will Sutton, Eddie Goldman and Akeem Hicks with Pernell McPhee, who was a Pro Bowl uh, linebacker, Lamar Houston, who I really liked his signing last season mm. from Oakland, and then up Grading to Jarrell Jarrell Freeman and Pernell McPhee in the um, Jarrell Freeman and Danny Trevathan in the middle. All right, they're not uh, Willis and Bowman, but actually, as a 
central pairing of middle linebackers, they've improved in all the areas they need to, to suddenly have Vic Fangio's front seven looking really fierce. And what they're doing as well, they're getting the players that they want in rather than inheriting um, what they had before and trying to fit fit the system around them. Now the system will be tailored for what they want to do and how they want to play the game. And I think that's key for the Bears because their defence has been a joke over the last three or four years. And I think you look at the back end. They've got some talent there. Carl Fuller had a brilliant rookie season, dropped off since then. They re-signed Tracy Porter in this off-season. They've got Amos Adrian, who, Adrian Amos, who is maybe a little bit of a weakness at safety. Antrell Roll, slightly older guy, had a decent year last year, a lot of tackles. What was the feature of that 49ers defense was a great front seven and actually a reasonably weak secondary. But when you get that level of pass rush, bringing three, four guys to the house and you know you can drop someone like Trevathan back into coverage. He's a quicker guy, can be a cover linebacker. Mm-hmm. Actually, this Bears defense suddenly looks really good. And uh, I, if I were you, I'd be a little concerned, buddy. No, I'm not concerned about the Bears. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> we will talk about it. Well, you've lost a big defensive piece of your own for the year, of course. Yeah, BJ Raji decided to call it a day. Well, hiatus. He's Anthony davis it. He's gone on. He, everyone went, he's retired. He's retired after seven years in the NFL. And then he put out his own statement. He said, hiatus. So, assuming the situation is the same as it is with Anthony Davis, and I don't know enough about his contract of him, to be frankly honest with you, but... You will have first. I think he was on a rolling, uh, a rolling contract. So we signed him again for one year last year. Uh, I think coming back off a, back off an injury. I think he might be going to the Olympics for as a shot putter or something. <laughs> that would be incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I think theoretically you've got first option on him for me. Ch- I should he chooses think so, to come yeah. back. And actually, we're at this point in the NFL now where the fitness side of things has got to such a high level. And, uh, you know, we can see guys come back from knee surgery when you look at Adrian Peterson, when you look at Jamal Charles, where they've had their knee entirely reconstructed and play at the same level when they come back. And you've got all... Mm. So actually, if you can take a year off, heal your body up, all right, you might be missing a quote-unquote prime year of your career, but realistically, you might extend your career by two or three years by taking that 12 months out, letting your body get fully rested. As long as you stay in physical condition and then you come back ready to play again, it could end up extending your career by a few years. And BJ Raj is a guy who obviously carries a lot of weight, nature of the position, uh, is constantly hitting because he's on in the middle of that line. Yeah. So every single snap is a bang on his head, a bang on his shoulders, a bang on his knees. So theoretically, I don't, I actually, I quite like the idea he's going to come back in a year and could come back like BJ Raji of three, four years yeah. ago rather than the BJ Raji we've seen in the last couple of seasons who's been not quite as effective. We saw flashes of it, but you're right, not quite as effective and also suffering from injuries. He, he, he uh, sat out a couple of games last season and, and the season before that, it was almost the whole season he's, he's, he's sat out. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's a really good move from him taking this hiatus. Uh, I just want to thank the city of Minneapolis as well. Oh, I, that, you sent me that. That's genius. <laughs> Absolutely genius. The Minnesota Vikings have spent uh, <coughs> a billion dollars on uh, their new stadium. Ten, hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars on their new stadium. And they happen to have built it on Chicago Avenue. Their current postal address is 530 Chicago Avenue. So they went to the city of Minneapolis and they said, look, much like many others have changed their address to suit the team, can we change the the name of the road or at least just where we are to Vikings Way? Let's make our address Vikings Way. We're a big brand. We're big to the city. Yada, 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 yada. And yeah, they said yes, right? 
Uh, no. <laughs> uh, they basically told them where to stick it. So that's good. They've had five hundred million dollars in public funding for this uh, for this project for this new stadium. It looks impressive. We'll be there in two years' time, hopefully, if we're still doing this and people still want to listen to us. Uh, and it's just incredible that they've gone. No, no, not changing it. Maybe that's something they'll change. They've said they're disappointed, but I think it's hilarious. It's absolutely brilliant. Uh, Way to go, Minnesota. Smooth. Uh, also, uh, the Bears keeping Zach Miller as well, which considering uh, Martellus Bennett is gone, I like the fact they've kept Zach Miller. I think he did a decent job last year. It's a cheap deal, two years, $6 million, uh, $4 million of that guaranteed. It's 31, but he's had a couple of good years there. And yeah, stats here, final nine games, fourth amongst tight ends in reception, seventh in receiving yards. He set career high in catches, receiving yards, yards per catch and touchdowns last season. So So they've got a guy in form, uh, sort of almost a Barnage kind of situation, although Barnage was a little bit better in a worse team last year. Um, Yeah, I I think that's a good, uh, another sensible move by the Bears. Uh, the other team who have been quite active this week have been the Baltimore Ravens. And let's just say it's been an up and down few days for them because I absolutely loved the signing of Eric Weddle. Uh, it shows that they're a win-now team. It shows that they consider last season to be a one-off down year. For a team like the Ravens, they've got a rare opportunity to pick very high in the draft so they can go out and get a real top-tier talent in the draft as well. And yeah, Ozzy Newsom is drafted brilliantly. Where do you think they'll, they'll address that? Do you think probably defensive line? Yeah, but I mean, let's let's have a look at that. Just talk about their moves very quickly first, because uh, Weddle comes in. It's a four-year deal, maybe a bit much for a 31-year-old, but he's still a top-tier safety in this league. And I was looking at it, I was thinking, what an incredible deal. Bring uh, Eric Weddle in, who was fancied by some of the other bigger teams in the draft this year. You pair him with Will Hill. You take something that was an area of weakness last year, turn it into an area of strength, and then Will Hill goes and gets himself banned for a fourth time in four years for the substance abuse policy and faces a 10-game suspension to start the season. That's that's mad, isn't it? And they, they basically don't have a strong safety now. They've got Jermaine Whitehead, Whitehead who... Who? To be exactly yeah. precise. Uh, I, I look at... In the draft, I mean... Pass rush would be the area I'd mainly focus on, I guess, because Terrell Suggs is getting up in age. Uh, you could probably find somebody on the defensive line, but I like Jernigan, I like Brandon Williams. Mm. So, yeah, that that would be my lean. They also went out and got um, <clears throat> Mike Wallace as well. I mean, Mike Wallace has been very much in the wilderness the last couple of seasons. Overpaid wilderness, The, the Dolphins was a terrible fit because Ryan Tannehill can't throw deep. The Vikings was a terrible fit because Teddy Bridgewater can't throw deep. Oh, and by the way... The Vikings uh, fans are going to get angry at me twice in this podcast Well, they now. should be angry at Mike Wallace because Mike Wallace said, oh, it's good to finally come to an organisation with a decent quarterback. Wow. Well, I, well yeah, I kind of agree with him. But, uh, yeah. but a two-year deal, $11.5 million. It's basically a one-year $4.5 million deal because that's what's guaranteed to him. And it, they could take him on for the second year as well. But actually, if he's going to fit anywhere, Joe Flacco's offense, they've never really replaced Anquan Bolden. They get, they've got a couple of younger receivers there. But that, that to me, is 
if he's going to succeed, you pair him with Steve Smith Sr., who doesn't now need to be your deep threat. Brashad Perriman, we hope that whatever his issues were last season, he can come back. Kamar Aiken very much grew into his role last year. Suddenly, it's quite an interesting set of receivers there, considering the talent they've got at quarterback. Joe Flacco, yeah. big-arm guy, loves to throw deep. Let Mike Wallace does what he does well. Run those streak routes, run those deep routes, those deep posts, and just... Chuck the ball up to him, and actually, he they might have a really fun. good season this year. Could be quite fun to watch um, the Ravens mm-hmm. because of because of that, and and of course, Steve Smith Senior coming back. Love to to watch him and see what he does as uh, see what he'll do as well. So yeah, the, the Baltimore Ravens could be actually quite interesting for once because for once they're always interesting they weren't interesting last year <laughs> that's fair okay that is fair they were terrible last yeah. year but i i want to put that down to injury i want to put that down to yeah a lot of it was to do with injury yeah I, it was a bad year but they get a high draft pick uh, we talked right we've just talked about a suspension we've just talked about a wide receiver why don't we talk about a suspension to a wide receiver i'm so annoyed by this martavis bryant it's it's been that he's he's done been done on the substance abuse pro, uh, program again. He's he's up for the whole season. It's just crazy. Why don't these NFL players learn, Will Gavin? Well, I the, I'm kind of abs- I'm torn on this in a big way. First of all, I'm gutted because I actually think Martavis Bryant is up there when you look at uh, the top pass catchers in the league. I think he's starting to get into that region where even if you lost Antonio Brown, you'd still have a top-level pass catcher there. So I'm kind of gutted on that front anyway. Um, He had, uh, I think it was uh, 14 catches, 183 yards and a touchdown over the two playoff games. Uh, He's uh, uh, two seasons ago. He looked impressive all of through last season. I mean... He's been stupid. There's no denying that. They know the rules. They know the three strikes. They know that leads to a whole year. They've seen it happen to other guys. Hold up, though. If Will Hill has been done and this is his fourth time, why has he only got ten, ten games? I think it's over the distance of time it's happened to him. I think they've been different. They've been different suspensions as well. It's not been three or four uh, drug violations. Sure, okay. okay. Um, so... It's three drug violations and, and then you're given the minimum of a year. You know, he's stupid to get in any way involved and of course more stupid to get caught because they know that that is in place but the rule is ludicrous mm. when you consider the kind of bands that greg hardy got and he's still getting into league when you consider you know the fact that players like oh, i'm just trying to think off the top of my head i mean ray rice actually ended up missing a whole year but his real suspension wasn't a whole year the team put him on to the voluntary list and then he got suspended but it was a lot less than a year he got suspended for you got adrian peterson and, and he was you know put it, on it, gardening leave effectively he had the exact same situation his actual ban was less than a year but they put him like you say on a kind of gardening leave and, you know, they just need to get their priorities sorted. We know the competition committee's coming together at this time of year. We know that they've got to focus on safety and everything else as well. But this needs to be looked at, particularly when you consider there are a number of states where uh, marijuana use is legal now for both recreational and medicinal use. When you consider that from a medicinal perspective, it's one of the best natural painkillers available. And these guys are putting their bodies through hell. And for a lot of them, it's a way for them to get home. Um, like, if you're caught, doing something stupid like taking drugs and going out and driving or you're like Alden Smith and you're found at a party with a gun and you've been smoking marijuana don't get me wrong in that sort of situation you're clearly an idiot but if you 
been caught drug testing and you've had no other issues and it's just that you've taken some marijuana for that exact express purpose of going home, chilling out, you know, relieving the stress, relieving the pain. I just think they need to look at this and readjust it and rethink their thinking on it because a year is so excessive for what sounds like a very low level uh, abuse of the rule. Well, his, his agent Brian Fettner told uh, USA Today Sports said that um, he's fighting depression and plans to enter rehab uh, for evaluation. Uh, it's a miscalculated issue. Uh, it's not a party thing. He's He's got a coping issue and a depression issue, and he's got to take care of it. So it's not like he's he's, you know, he's going out and getting stoned at parties and stuff. He's... You know, he's depressed. That's what his agent says. So it's, again, like you said, if, in different states it's it's legal. It's, it, it's a, it almost seems like an outdated policy that needs to be updated and reviewed. And we need to look at these guys and how, because American football, you're playing for how long? Four months, is it? Mm-hmm. Four months? The uh-huh. Rest of, uh-huh. Uh, eight months you're, you're, you're not playing or you're training and... and it's, it can be quite lonely for these guys that, ha- that then move away, sometimes across the country, um, away from their family. What else are they going to do? Again, that is a uh, an educational issue as well. But Yeah. The league could be doing more in other ways rather than just slapping these big bands on guys, particularly if they're talking about him suffering from depression, etc. So what, now he's got to deal with a year away from the league he's not with gonna no get, money. He's not going to get paid. He was due $600,000. That's going to affect his sign for his, how much he'll be able to re-sign for in uh, in a year's time as well. If he gets re-signed by an NFL team, oh, he'll get re-signed by. An I NFL mean, he'll team. get he'll get re-signed. Come to the Bay, Martavis. <laughs> Seven hundred and sixty-five yards, six touchdowns from eleven games last season. He's a stud. Some of those, one of those touchdowns, I think it was on uh, on the right-hand side, dancing around people, jumping over, pirouetting. Basically, he's a ballet dancer that catches the ball. I'm all right with that. That's good. Right. Uh, we've still got our big interviews to come up. We're going to be speaking with two members of the Kansas City Chiefs, one an on-the-field chap, one an off-the-field chap, as we speak with Shakandrick West's explosive running back who came out last year, and he said some really great things about what Jamal Charles did with him off the field after his injury last year. So that was fascinating. And, uh, and uh, CEO and part owner of the team, Clark Hunt, joined us as well. It's a little bit of a shame we did this interview before they got their draft picks taken off of them and their big fines this year, because I'd love to hear what his thoughts on that are. But we got some really good stuff on the team. Mm-hmm. And we'll also hear from Jack Muhor, a uh, Colts lineman. Now, it might not sound like the most exciting interview in the world. A Colts offensive lineman. I thought they barely existed. But actually, <laughs> in an improving AFC South, he had some fascinating things to say. Especially so, on Andrew Luck as well. I, yeah, I, yeah. I found his... That interview really interesting. And we've got a few questions off Twitter as well, but let's have a quick roundup of the last deals that are left. You mentioned it earlier. James Laurinaitis has joined the New Orleans Saints. And, okay, the Saints are bringing in some reinforcements to build up their defence. But genuinely, I do not understand the signings they are making. James Laurinaitis hasn't been a bad player through recent years, but he's getting up there in age. He's not his... um, his general production has been down over the last couple of years alongside Chris Long as well. I mean, I know they've got that incredible defensive line there, but there's not a lot of talent. And I don't know if the Stefan Anthony's of this world and I just don't know if they're the right kind of upgrades that they need. I think they need to focus on defense in the draft in a big way. And 
it all comes back round to the fact the Saints cap has been so badly managed in recent years that are they ever really going to be able to um, to fix these issues? Well, I think getting rid of Jimmy Graham last season will hopefully help them uh, this season as well. Um, I think Drew Brees is on a huge amount of money. I, I think he's there for another year as well. He's restructured a couple of times, um, and still they've it, got this it, problem. But exactly, he's still on huge amounts of money. Um, so I th- it, it's definitely an upgrade, but I, they, they need so <laughs> I, much. I, I always feel like I'd be an upgrade on the Saints defense under Rob Ryan last year. <laughs> but they need but being so a nose. much. Their, be- their biggest upgrade was actually getting rid of Rob Ryan. So. Yeah, well, there you go. So they've made one amazing upgrade this year. A few other deals that caught my eye. Uh, Donald Penry signing with the Raiders, two-year, $14 million. I mean, $7 million guaranteed. It's it's not uh, it's not a dreadful deal. He is older now. I think they could have done with a Kelvin Beecham as well. But it means their line gets no weaker. And they've brought in Kalichi Osemele as well. So, I, I, you know, it's an area they've not got weaker this offseason, which is... Big news for the Raiders. Uh, the Jets have brought in Jarvis Jenkins. I mean, that's a rotational lineman as far as they're concerned. But when they've lost Damon Harrison, I think that's a good deal. Uh, Demario Davis joining the Browns. Interesting two-year starter with the Jets. He's joined them for $8 million, $4 million guaranteed. And it's the Browns actually bringing somebody into their building. That's why that caught my eye. Well, yeah, but they did uh, also cut someone that they really needed to cut. One of the only ones that they needed to cut is the terrible Dwayne Bowe. Uh, $9 million guaranteed he cost them. He's left the dog pound. Uh, who knows whether he'll find another team to go and uh, not par- uh, catch passes with. I, I think that's been one of the questions we've had come in on Twitter. So let's get to that after our interviews. But uh, they also released Carlos Dansby. I was, dis- was kind of slightly saddened by this. And I understand they're in full rebuild mode. They can't afford to keep a guy around who's 34. Uh, but he is a brilliant coverage linebacker, makes big plays, a great tackler. He's a guy I had on my um, in our... Uh, fantasy league last year and our defensive based one and got me ridiculous points because the Browns defense are on the field a lot of the time but I think Carlos Dansby is someone who if he's picked up either as a rotational guy or even as a starter for a kind of playoff chasing team uh, he personally spoke out about the possibility of joining the Bengals and basically staying living where he is you know that's the sort of guy they could pick up and do really well with when you consider the Vontes Perfect's going to be out at the start of the season. I, he'll land somewhere and do somebody a job, even at 34 years old. Uh, Chris Johnson, he's visiting with the Miami Dolphins. And we actually haven't mentioned that CJ Anderson is rejoining the Denver Broncos. They decided to match the offer sheet that, that, that he signed with the Dolphins. We heard the Bears actually offered him the biggest deal, but he wanted to rejoin Adam Gase in the Sunshine State. However, the Broncos matched the deal. He's back there. And so the Dolphins, in desperate need of a running back, have turned to Chris Johnson. Can he really recreate the random magic he managed with the Cardinals last year? I think with the Miami line, it's a no. I'd say it's a no. Um, I don't know, because he was fantastic last year until he he suffered a slight downturn and then got injured. And then Duke Johnson came in and, and really stole the season from him. But I, I think it would be an okay signing. It depends how much for. I, the Dolphins need someone. So, yeah, I'll do it. I think it would be an okay signing. <laughs> Great. An okay signing. <laughs> yeah. I just think the Miami line is such a mess that unless that's where they look to improve massively in the draft or they still pick up some of the other free agents that are available out there and there aren't a lot left on the on the offensive line, then, uh, then um, 
yeah, I think he can't have the same level of success. Just he's he, he's such a straight-ahead runner. If the holes aren't there for him, I'm not imagining that he can be elusive enough to do something. Whereas Lamar Miller's quite elusive. When they did use him, he was able to find those yardage. That's true, yeah. Despite playing behind a bad line. And also, um, just, just a minor correction, David Johnson rather than Brown's running back, Duke Johnson. Oh, uh, thank you very much. That's fine. I, you know, it's a, we all do it. Last week, I claimed that uh, Eric Fisher was a pro bowl left tackle. Why, well, of course, it was a first-round draft pick he is most definitely not pro bowl level <laughs> or all pro level uh at tackle hasn't proved to be so in the last two years so I, I knew what you said i just left it and wanted you to get pe- uh, picked up by our lovely listeners yep and it happened uh, evan mathis has agreed to one year deal with the cardinals they saw jonathan cooper go out of the building so it's a good signing for them evan mathis uh not the not the best of seasons but won a super bowl ring last year he wasn't at his very best since he's left the eagles but i like it as a signing on a single year deal for the cardinals and finally Quinton Copels, two years to the Rams. The Rams have actually managed to sign someone and they might get a little bit of pass rush out of Quinton Copels. Great defensive line, but this could be the actual pressure on the quarterback that's not coming from pressure up the middle. They could have done with someone like Chandler Jones. They would have loved Chandler Jones there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll get to your sorts of questions in a minute, but let's hear our interviews and let's kick things off talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. It's a team I'm sure we'll break down a little bit more in the off-season, but let's hear, first of all, from uh, their young running back, starred in the team last year after Jamal Charles went down and had some great things to say about Jamal Charles. It is, of course... Chuck Kendrick West. A real pleasure to be joined on Radio Row this afternoon. It's got crazy in here in the last oh, couple yeah, of hours. Crazy, but it means we get to speak to great names like this. A guy who we last spoke to when he was over in London. Oh, yeah, yeah. With the, at the time, two and five Chiefs. And went on one to and five. one and two and five at the end of the game. Yeah. Last time we spoke, they were two and five <laughs> yeah. because they came to London, blew out the lines, and then went on and had an amazing run through to the playoffs. So, Kendrick West, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. I mean, how are you doing today? Yeah, amazing. It's great to have you on. And uh, look, I guess starting off with for a first season in the league, you've got to be pretty pleased with uh, what you've managed to achieve. Oh, man, it was amazing, man. It's, I mean, it's just a blessing, brother, even to be in the situation that I was in and to have the success. It was, it was a pretty good feeling this year. When, when, you've, when you have such a, a big name go down uh, running back and, and when that looks like everyone thinks that's going to affect the team and put you down and, and you guys can step up and do what you managed to achieve this year, that particularly has got to feel pretty special. Oh, man, it feels amazing to know that, we ha- that our coaching staff and, and general staff have put, uh, put together a team and a roster where it's really the next man up. But we had a lot of situations this year where we had go da- guys go down, but, I mean... A lot of people counted us out, but we find a way to pull together and stick together and, and find a way to win. you got to turn your mic on, Sherry. <laughs> Yours is on, don't worry. Okay. That's the main thing. <laughs> yeah, we're more interested in what okay, you've got yeah. to say than me. Um, a guy like yourself who kind of came into the league as you did, when a guy like Jamal goes down, you kind of know this is your, your big opportunity, oh, yeah. as it were. How does it feel now to have taken that opportunity? Everybody knows about you in the NFL. You were a fantasy darling. That must be exciting as you go into the offseason. Oh, man, like I say, it's amazing, man, to like even be here right now. And like I, was, I wasn't in this situation last year, but, I mean, you never wanted it to happen like it happened, but everything happened for a reason. So, I mean, Jamal knew that. And he, I mean, instead of him, when he got hurt, he could have turned his shoulder to me. He came to me and helped me, and it helped me become a better football player. And, and, and what was that relationship with Jamal like when he was on IR? How, how much did he help? What did he do? Was it in the meeting room and everything else? I mean, I say our relationship grew stronger as we uh, just going through the injury. I mean, seeing him go through it, seeing a friend go through a tough time is hard to do anyway. But 
just we were supporting each other. I mean, I was there for his injury. He was there for me in football and wanted me to continue what he was doing. And have you made it clear to him that he's in for a hell of a battle come training? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, man, yeah. I, I love Jamal, though. Yeah. That, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Look, I want to ask about your quarterback, Alex Smith, because oh, yeah. there's a constant argument going on on our show with a guy called Simon who isn't here to defend himself. Yeah. Okay. But I, I'm a 49ers fan and loved Alex from the time he was here. And there's all this talk about him being a game manager, etc. But he, I thought he had a phenomenal year this year. And do you think he's a little bit underrated and sneaks under the radar as oh, a guy? Oh, man, he's way underrated. I mean, like you said, a game changer. I mean, a lot of people get mad at Alex for not throwing the ball down the field. But think about how many other interceptions that quarterbacks and stuff through this year and how many Alex threw. So I feel like, I mean, Alex does a great job at managing the game and winning games. I mean, what, what else do you want in the quarterback? Uh, he's well, got I wheels think... as well, hasn't he? I mean, oh, he, man, Alex can that, run. He busted we... out his longest uh, run of his career at Wembley as well. Yeah, when we was in London. And, you know, I, I, when you've got that dual threat as well as as being a so-called game manager, that's that's great for you guys yeah, as well. Yeah, man, man, he makes the game for us so much easier. I mean, just even identifying the defense where I had to pick up blitz and stuff like that. He just did a great job. I'm intrigued by uh, Doug Peterson, obviously, has, has moved on now. But what you guys did on offense with Andy Reid and, and with Doug, and the London game's a prime example. We saw touchdowns from end rounds. We saw touchdowns from uh, passes and runs and Alex running. And You see so many different facets to the offense. Oh, mess the thing. Just talk to us about how that comes together and, and how thick is that playbook because I imagine man. it's pretty big. See, the thing about being with Coach Reese, you got to know how to do it all, man. I mean, even as a running back, you got to know how to run routes. You got to know how to get out on the outside and block, catch outside screens. So, I mean, the playbook is pretty thick, but if you get it, I mean, it's hard to stop. Yeah, I, man. I mean, I mean, you mentioned the playbook's thick. Is it a difficult playbook to learn? Because Andy Reid's a pretty big guy. He has the biggest play sheet I've ever seen. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of yeah. like that it's in every like game. It's like a giant pizza I, menu. I, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> I, guess I, I think you'd prefer it was a pizza menu. Yeah. But, um, Whoa! Oh, Calm your storm. I like, just got off my to laugh at that one. I won't <laughs> <worry. laughs> How difficult an offense is it to learn? Is it is it a real challenge, man? I mean, it's pretty, it's, a, it's a challenge, but I feel like once you accept that challenge, and the coaches do a great job of simplifying everything. I mean, they don't all just they don't throw all of that in on us on one day, but and then most of the things run together. So I mean, it's a, it's 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 challenging. You got to be a disciplined person and want to learn and want to win. I mean, and you mentioned Jamal, a guy like that. I think he's still the the NFL all time leader in yards per attempt. He's he's a great player. Probably without the two injuries, might have ended up having a Hall of Fame type career. Oh yeah. How good is it to learn from a guy like that? And and what kind of inspiration is he to you as a young? Oh guy? man, to being. I mean, I used to watch Jamal Charles highlights before my college games, and to be able. I remember when I first got in and sat in the room, and I was like, wow, I'm in the room, same room with Jamal Charles, but. To now to call him my friend and to learn from him, man, it's great. Cause like you said, I mean, if it was up to me, he'd be in the Hall of Fame right now. So, I mean, one day I'll be able to say I learned from a guy in the Hall of Fame. So, that's a, that's a great feeling. Another guy, sorry, another guy that uh, must be an inspiration. And Will and I just bumped into him today, just now, just before okay. meeting you, is Eric Berry. Oh, yeah, yeah, Eric. And how, how much uh, were the team not only playing for him this year but how how good has he been this year he's a oh man he did a, he did an amazing job i mean to come back to, i never seen anybody fighting and work as hard as he do i mean you see the success he had last year he couldn't even play football and now he was one of the best in the football game so i mean much respect to eric for his work that and the way to fight and the things that he did i mean my hat's off to him. I think the atmosphere in that locker room as well after the London game, considering you know you were still two and five, yeah. you were still in a, in a deep hole, but 
everyone seemed to have it was almost like a real brotherhood everyone oh, really yeah. seemed to have each other's back it, it, there was a really good atmosphere and you rarely see that in a locker room where a team is is in a position where it's very difficult to get to the playoffs from that position oh yeah but I mean it's this thing about our team we it's, it's on the sign when you first walk in our locker room come in as teammates leave as family and, I, and we I feel like we we take that serious we don't just be okay we know as teammates you're going to lose games we're not going to win every game it's how you bounce back from losing that game and, and not pointing fingers and just coming together and, as a whole and win a game. So I feel like that's what, that's what helped us a lot turn our season around. When we got to lose, we was 1-5, nobody pointed fingers and say it's their fault, this fault. We all said we had to look ourselves in the mirror and be like, okay, that's, that's, that's some, what, what can we get better at as an individual? And everybody did that and we had a pretty good outcome. I, I look back at the, the Seattle Seahawks a few years ago. That I think it was Russell Wilson's first year. And they kind of came on really strong at the end of the year and were beaten at the same, same round as you guys in the playoffs. Then the next year, they take that next step to the Super Bowl. Given the impressive way you guys recovered from the bad start, launched that run, do you feel like heading into next year, you can take that next step? Oh, yeah, I mean, that's what it's always. We always want to build after last year. I mean, that's, 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 every, that's his goal each and every year, to yeah. get better than what you were last year. Last year, we didn't make the playoffs, we made it. We almost made it to the divisional, I mean, divisional, divisional championship. So each year, I mean, of course, starting, of course, starting the year, the goal is to get to the Super Bowl, but you got you to gotta take steps to get there. So, I mean, we just going, like right now, we are working to get better at something. So when we come back together, we're ready to go. Yeah. It's the young class of guys as well. I mean, yourself, you had such an impact. But Marcus Peters on the other oh, side yeah. of the ball, I mean, defensive rookie of the year, uh, was seen nailed on for him. Uh, for the young class coming in, for a team who've had success and to have those young players coming in as well, uh, do you guys, as young guys, bond as well? And, and uh, how important have you found that you've got success in both the youth and in those experienced guys? That's the thing about our locker room. A lot of experienced guys, I mean, you know, it's a lot of situations you go into when you got experienced guys that don't want to help the younger guys because they're coming in trying to take their jobs. But I feel like all those guys there, just the experienced guys are, are helping and teaching us. So when they do leave, I mean, we still be successful. And that's, that's, a, that's the biggest thing about that team, man, I, that, that really just stands out to me. And I love to be there. And, I mean, we all play for each other. Like, say our position. We all play the same position, but everybody's constantly helping each other, not going against each other. Now, look, this weekend, we've got the Carolina Panthers and a team that you know very well in the Denver Broncos. But let's not forget that back in Week 10, you beat this Denver Broncos team oh, yeah. and put 29 points on one of the best defences in yeah. the league. So uh, what can you say about this, what seems like a tough-as-nails defence and what you guys managed to achieve against them? Oh, man, it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be an interesting game. I've been telling guys that all week I wouldn't, you can't count nobody out because, I mean, like you said, Denver has a great defence, but also Carolina has a great defence, so... Then you got two great quarterbacks on each side, so that's gonna be a that's gonna be a matchup. How do you manage to put twenty nine points on them then? If they're that great, we got. I'm gonna leave that one alone. <laughs> I'm gonna leave that one I alone. I think we know how that. Yeah, <laughs> we know how they go. You'd watch the game, Phil. Yeah. Come on, pal. He's seen it. He's seen it. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I want to uh, kind of finish off with looking forward to, to the future then. We oh, talked yeah. about the young guys. You're going to have Jamal coming back next year. Hopefully a great one-two punch in that backfield. Oh, yeah. We're going to see both of you worked into that mix. Where, would, where do you think that team needs to improve in the offseason to make that step up to next year going beyond the divisional round? And maybe 51, we're sat in Houston, Texas, and instead of talking to you across a table, we're talking to you across a podium. Oh, yeah, I mean... We gotta finish. We gotta finish as a team, and we gotta finish. We gotta start stronger and finish stronger. But we can't. Like we came out against the Patriots. We they they had us. They come out on fire. We came out kind of slow and sluggish, and they kind of caught up to us at the end of the game. And we went better finish. Can't can't do that against a team like that. 
So we just got to go in and finish. Great stuff. Anyone, any, any final questions? Well, all I want to say is Super Bowl 51, if you're out behind the podium and you spot us, okay. please say hello. Okay. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll come and chat to you again. Honestly, the Brits fans have become such big fans of the Chiefs since when yeah. you were over. I think the fact that when you came over, and we've got a huge man crush oh, on yeah. your whole team, because when you came over, you were also great to go on the streak. And I'm going to be honest, we're kind of partially taking credit for what's happened. Okay. We're I mean, saying... Hey. Well, that's not what you said earlier. Hey, you said it was all down to you. Hey. <laughs> we're uh, we're saying your trip over to London and I mean you can tell us if it did did that trip over to London make a difference to your team and make a difference to the locker room unity oh, yeah I mean that trip helped, that trip really did help us and then I mean spending like 9-10 hours on a plane with all you you guys you can't get away from I mean it makes you come together so I mean to come over there and do what we did it was special who'd you have to sit next to on the plane I was with Travis Travis Kiss so, uh, no, we he's spoke, a crazy yeah. guy we spoke to him we've, we've had Travis on a couple of times and he's okay. great fun so yeah, yeah. I imagine that was a fun play right? yep. I had to sit next to him oh, so yeah. uh, <laughs> at least he's a little guy yeah. look Jack Andrew a real joy to, uh, to chat to you uh, right, thank thanks you, so man. much for joining us and uh, have fun at this absolutely crazy Super Bowl 50 thank you bro Shakandrick West of the Chiefs there, and let's just roll straight into our next interview, which is going to be continue with the Chiefs theme, and let's hear from their CEO and co-owner, Cluckant. Real genuine delight and a pleasure, particularly after we saw his team dominate in London earlier this season, to be joined by uh, the owner of the Kansas City Chiefs, Clark Hunt. And Clark, before we do anything else, uh, Matthew Sherry, the editor of Gridiron, wanted to, to hand you, you this. This is uh, the edition of Gridiron with Justin Houston on the front where we wrote all about your team and then you came out and just absolutely killed it in London. The thing that st- sparked the turnaround in the season, we like to say. That's what we're trying to claim. <laughs> we're trying to claim. Uh, do you think that London trip uh, was a real positive for the, for the organisation and, and on what level? It, yeah, it was a tremendous uh, um, opportunity and experience for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, we'd started off the season a little bit on the slow side, uh, having lost uh, five of the first six games. And we came to London uh, after beating Pittsburgh uh, in week seven. And um, the, the experience that the team had, not only killing the Detroit Lions and having a decisive victory there, but just all around, it was a tremendous experience. Uh, the reception uh, that the organization received, the experience in the stadium. Uh, one of the things I wasn't expecting was to see basically the sea of red, which we talk about at Arrowhead at home. Uh, Wembley was the sea of red, and uh, the uh, yeah, they shouted on the anthem, and and, and the fans uh, they they were behind us the whole way, right right from the anthem, uh, you know, through doing the chop. So it was a great experience, and I think. Uh, our, our head football coach, Andy Reid, would tell you that that experience played a key role in the 10-game winning streak that we had to finish the season. And, and a question for you in particular, your family is kind of, I, I would go as far as saying responsible for this as everything around us with football and the formation of the AFL and, and how that developed the league. How proud a moment was that for you in terms of your father's vision and seeing it in a UK audience? You mentioned that sea of red. That must have been an incredibly proud moment, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it sure was. Um, you know, my, my father, going back uh, to the early 1960s, had been involved in the formation of the American Football League. And uh, when the merger was negotiated in 1966, that led to a championship game. Uh, which ultimately he gave the name to the Super Bowl. And uh, here we are 50 years later, and it's amazing just how how big the game has grown. And I I have to think, and I I mentioned this to several people when we were in London, how thrilled he would have been to have his Kansas City Chiefs playing in Wembley Stadium. 
Um, it, it was a stadium, uh, not not the modern stadium, but the old Wembley uh, that he had been to on many occasions, including to see the 1966 World Cup final uh, wow. between England and Germany. Wow. Yeah, all right, that's fine. We're yeah, all a bit jealous. Yeah, yeah, I'm just off. <laughs> <laughs> that's genuinely incredible. And for, for the Chiefs in, in general, and, and we were devastated because we got behind this team in a big, big way. After you came over and we had Shark Hendrick on yesterday, we chatted to Eric Berry, uh, and we've really fallen in love with the Chiefs recently as a show and, and, as, a, and as a nation, I think. And in individuals, Will. It came so close to being you were in one and then again in 50. How close are the Chiefs at this point to being a championship-style team? Well, uh, I think like every NFL team, our goal uh, each year is to make it to the Super Bowl. And uh, the trophy that they give to the winner of the American Football Conference is called the Lamar Hunt Trophy. And uh, they named the trophy after uh, we last won the AFC. So we've actually never gotten to hold the trophy that has my dad's name on it. So that's always our first goal. And the second goal is to bring the Lombardi Trophy back to Kansas City again. We had an incredible season. And uh, I think for any Chiefs fan, it was hard to not think about the Chiefs making it back to 50. And just the symmetry that would have been there, particularly if the Packers had made it on on the NFC side. And we could have had a repeat of Super Bowl one. Uh, naturally, the good guys, the Chiefs, would have won this one, uh, unlike, unlike Super Bowl one. Um, you know, but it, it, at the end of the day, it wasn't meant to be. But we we feel really good about the franchise as we go into 2016. We have the key ingredients that you need to compete at a high level, namely a very talented head coach, uh, uh, a strong starting quarterback, and a a great defense. And we have those three things. Sorry. How much does a year like last year reinforce that? Because a lot of teams, when they start like that, crumble away to, to kind of show that resilience and end the season on the 11 or 12 game winning streak you did just shows what you've got in your organization, I guess. Yeah, I think it says a whole lot about the character of the coaching staff and the character of the players. Because most teams, when you get into a five-game losing streak, um, you're, you're basically done. You know, Statistically, we had a 4% chance of making the playoffs at that point. And, uh, I love the fact, that you know that off the top of your head. Uh, and the fact that, that we rallied and, and did it, and, and we became only the second time, uh, the second team in history to do that, at least in the modern era, um, I think says a lot about the character. Uh, I think it gives the organization a lot of confidence and momentum as we head into 16. So there's two final things I really want to ask you about, Clark, because I know you're slammed and you've got a lot of people to talk to today. But the first thing is the international development. Later today, Mark Waller is going to speak to the, the gathered press and tell us what the NFL has got planned. From, from inside as a chairman and, and as an owner of a team, what have you seen that's impressed you about the growth of the game internationally and how far do you think it can go, say, over the next 10 years? Uh, well, we just finished the eighth year of the international series in the UK, and of course, we started with one game. Uh, we were up to three here the la- last couple of years. Uh, those games have continued to sell out. Uh, they've had the desired result of creating a lot of avid fans of NFL football in the UK. It was something I got to see firsthand when we were over uh, this past November, and uh, I think it's something that the league is committed to. Uh, the games are probably going to expand uh, beyond the UK uh, to Mexico, uh, Canada, perhaps at some point Germany. I think there'll be more games in the UK. Uh, so there, there's a lot of room for growth, and it's been a positive experience. And I think the ownership group as a whole really believes that it's important. 
and uh, and everybody's been pleased to, to see what's happened over the last eight years. Fantastic, and I'm getting the wrap-up sign, so it's a one very short last one. Can I just get your reaction on the vote to bring a team to L.A. and the move of a team in the Rams to L.A. and what that brings to the NFL to have that team back in their home city? Well, it's been a priority for the league for the last 20 years since uh, since both the Raiders and the Rams left L.A. to get a team back to L.A., and uh, finally the stars aligned uh, so that it was possible this year. We had three teams that were interested in moving, and ultimately the Rams were approved. Um, I have to say that, in general, I'm in favor of less relocation because I think it's best for the NFL and the clubs and their fans for teams to stay in their markets. Uh, but this was a situation where it just made sense for uh, all the parties involved for the, the Rams to move. And uh, it'll be great to have a team back in L.A., particularly one that was there for 49 years and has a big fan base. So, Chiefs fans, what we're saying is there's no chance you're moving anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> Clark, real joy. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Uh, absolutely. Glad to be on with you guys. Great stuff from the Chiefs. It's obviously a team we fell in love with in a big way when they were out here last year. Great to see their playoff run happen, and we hope that they have another year of that. And I think they're set up to have another year of that this year. Uh, let's finish off with one final interview then before we get to your Twitter questions. Of the Indianapolis Colts, lineman, interesting chap, and uh, considering the improvements they've made in their division, really good chat with him. This is Jack Muhort. Back on Radio Row, joined by uh, lineman for the Indianapolis Colts, Jack Muhort. Jack, uh, first of all, how are you enjoying Super Bowl 50 so far? Yeah, I just got out here last night, but so far, I mean, it looks like an awesome production. I'm um, just walking in here. It's very cool. I've seen a lot of, obviously, um, familiar faces from the NFL around here and people from the media, so it's been very cool so far. And the big question, of course, for the Brits is, as a Colt, you're coming over to London this coming season. Have you guys been talking about that? Is that something you guys are getting pumped for? Yeah, it's, uh, I think everybody's trying to scramble, get their passports ready for the trip. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, we're all very excited for it. And uh, I've had some buddies that have played over there before. And last year they played in Wembley, and they said the fans there are so great. And uh, I can't wait to get over there and uh, play a game in front of the Brits. Can we get you to name drop? <laughs> Who's, who you've been speaking uh, to? Jake Stoneburn. He plays for the Miami Dolphins. Okay, great. So, yeah, and uh, I have other buddies who've gone over with Jacksonville in the past. So, every, I mean, anybody who I've talked to who's been over there and played a game over there has uh, really enjoyed it. We need to hit up Andrew Luck because we've had him on our show before. Oh, yeah. And he's been over with his dad doing yeah. bits and bobs for for the media over there and, and for, for NFL UK. So, um, yeah, hit him up because he's a bit of an Anglophile as well, I think. Yeah, so well, he loves the England. Yeah, he, he raves about England. I was just talking to him the other day and he was saying how he had to get back over there and uh, I definitely want to visit too. I actually have a lot of family in, in Britain. Uh, actually, my granny is a British immigrant who lives in Chicago now, so a lot of connections there. So I'd love to get over there and, and check it all. I, obviously, I'm coming in October, but I'd like to do it you know, the right way and come you know, see the sights as a tourist as well. You get a week off afterwards, so you can catch some soccer if yeah, you want. Yeah, maybe I'll just stay over there. Yeah, yeah why not? <laughs> just for a little bit. You go to the pubs, yeah, hang out. And work on that Cockney accent yeah, you were telling me yeah, earlier. I, I want that, that Tom Hardy Cockney accent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, the last time you played the Jags, however, back in December, and I hate to bring up bad memories, <laughs> oh, yeah. but that wasn't the, the, the greatest performance for the Colts this season. And Do you think in the AFC South, the, the Colts have kind of dominated over the last last few years but then the Texans winning it this year and the Jags are rising the Titans have got a great young quarterback it, it seems to be a division on the up yeah yeah so you know obviously um that you talk about that game against the Jags I think they are a very talented team I think they have talent everywhere 
um, from you know the quarterback to the offensive line to the skill positions to I think personally they have a great defense you know I have to play against it twice a year so I think they're talented all over and yeah like you said I think the AFC South is a is a uh, division on the rise obviously it's a quarterback driven league and we didn't have our guy when we played Jacksonville the second time so um, that's not to make excuses, but it is exciting to see what's going on with the AFC South. One of the um, one of the big surprises of the of the off season was Chuck Pagano staying in his job, and and from what I've seen on Twitter with players, he's very much a guy the players are, are, are behind and very much a players coach. How pleased were you to see the regime stay in place? Because there was a lot of speculation during the season, and and a lot of people thought that that wouldn't be the case. Yeah, you know, it's tough during the season with the media and, and everyone speculating, and you never really know what's going to happen, and I think that was a case of that. And um, Chuck came in, and he said, hey, listen, guys, I don't know what's going to happen. And then um, it ended up that he was he was going to stay, which I think is great for continuity. Obviously, we all love Chuck, and he's been through a lot. He's a fighter, so we're excited to have him back, and, uh, you know, it's time to go win some games. And offensively last year, there were... There were some issues, a coordinator firing and, and obviously Andrew being injured for long stretches of the season. I guess you guys now are looking to regroup as a unit and kind of get back to where you were a couple of years ago as kind of the ascending offense in the NFL. Yeah, um, <clears throat> obviously you just you got to go back and start from scratch, start from square one, uh, get guys healthy. Um, you know, you talked about Andrew being hurt and... You know, coordinator changing. We never want to make excuses, but we did have some adversity, and uh, we just have to start this offseason, go back OTAs and mini camp, and, and get it together, and uh, go into training camp confident, and uh, you know, get back to where we need to be. Yeah. What, what's been your impression of uh, Rob Chudzinski so far? Because obviously, uh, yeah, he signed permanently in this offseason, but you've had some time working with him already. Is he a guy you think is going to get the best out of your line, get the best out of Andrew? Yeah, I believe so. I, I believe he's the guy for the job, and. Uh, He's one of those guys. He just he knows what he wants to do, and, and uh, you know he wants to do it right, and he wants to do it fast. And I think that's one thing to be excited about with him is we're going to get really good at stuff that we know we can do well. And uh, it's just a matter of having confidence and going out there and executing. And you know, Chud's a great, great coach and great coordinator. And uh, I think he, you know, like I said, is the right guy for the job. It feels like you're collecting former head coaches from the NFL. Yeah. You've got Joe working with you on the line as well. What yeah. about? I, I, he maybe got a little bit of stick when the guy they were on hard knocks, and he wasn't necessarily the biggest rah-rah guy and a guy who got the team going. What's been your experience of it? Yeah, I've only sat down with him one time, but from you know what I know about him, he's an offensive line guru and. Uh, I, I'm just looking forward to getting, you know, getting back on the field and seeing what he has to teach, and obviously, you know, listening to every word he says because I know that he's done it. He's produced great offensive linemen, and uh, you know, I, I'm just excited to be coached by him. And uh, he, so far, he seems like a great guy. And you know, you talked about that all that hard knock stuff, but you know, you can't you can't judge a guy by that, you know, that snapshot that you see on TV. And uh, you know, like I said, it's just I'm excited to work with him. And. and- protecting Andrew we've mentioned him a couple of times already but there's two facets of him that I want to ask about I mean first of all is what a special player he is but the thing I want to know more more so than anything else is the way he congratulates players when they sack him and when he hits them he goes goes good hit buddy and gives them a yeah. tap on the shoulder I mean as a lineman how does that make you feel because you think well hold on we, we've let the guy through right. don't, don't be congratulating him get on our back yeah so that's that is the funny thing about Andrew sometimes you know he'll get hit or something and You'll be helping him up, and you'll hear him, you know, kind of give a compliment to a defensive guy. And you're like, "Oh, hey, man, you know, it's not." But uh, that, that's just, who just to try and throw them off, I guess. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a sportsman. He's got great sportsmanship. Um, that's just the guy he is. Uh, 
he's just he's he's a high quality guy and uh you know when he does stuff like that just it speaks to his character and uh it's it's funny when you hear that as an offensive lineman from the outside looking in but to him i think it's just it's just one of those things it, it doesn't really mean much he's just saying hey man you know good job and i'm gonna get you on the next one Go ahead. Sorry, man. I I, um, I actually did a, a big feature in the magazine on Andrew last year. I kind of spoke to his his dad, all his coaches, all the way up, and didn't find anybody with a bad word to say about him at all. I mean, what's he like as a leader in the locker room, and and just how do, how does he kind of gel with the rest of you guys offensively? Yeah, I don't think. I mean, there's nothing bad to be said about Andrew. Um, just because he is, you know, such a great guy. He's, you know, got a high character guy. He he works his tail off every day. Comes in ready to go. Um, you know, the way he studies film and the way he uh, approaches practice in the weight room, and you know, he, he never gets negative. He's a positive guy, and he makes sure everybody around him is doing the right things. And you know, that's why I think he's one of the best young quarterbacks in the game right now. And that's why I love playing with a guy like that because you know that day in and day out he's going to be accountable and he's going to get his job done. Yeah. A bit of beard watch. Uh, you're rocking a bit of <laughs> bit of stubble. I've got a bit of beard. Yeah. Bit, but Will's beardy. But luck. That is one hell of a beard. One first thing. Does he shampoo it? Do you, <laughs> also, is it time he gets rid of it? I think I think he actually got rid of it after the season. I think he wears it for the season. And then, oh. Yeah. So that's kind of his trademark thing. So I think when he wants to go a little bit inconspicuous, he, he drops it. But yeah. Um, it, it's a crazy beard. Sometimes it gets out of control. I'm not sure about the shampooing thing, but uh, that's, that's kind of his thing, and it does it does get kind of out of control during the season. Okay, thanks for clearing you, that. You, you, uh, you're in quite a unique position this weekend because you guys played, obviously, the Panthers and Broncos back-to-back weeks this season. That ridiculously tight loss against the Panthers where you, you claw back 17 points in the fourth quarter, yeah. and then you're beating the Broncos the following week, a team, you know, these two of the best teams in the NFL. So from your assessment of what you've seen, particularly from these defences, who do you think's in this, it got the slight advantage from two brilliant defensive units? Yeah, you know, I both defences were so great, top to bottom, from the DBs to the linebackers to the, you know, obviously the defensive line, the guys I played against, and it's it's tough from my perspective to give anybody the advantage, but I know that on both sides of the ball they got great players in both teams, and uh, I, I just want to see a good game. And I can't you know I can't give anybody the advantage. Um, I do have a lot of friends, ex teammates, Buckeyes playing in this game, so I'm excited to see them go out there and you know do well and have a great game on both sides of the field. So uh, you know, I, I just want as a football player, I just want to see a competitive, good football game. Is just. How do you cover? You're, you're playing inside, you're playing guard, and you've got K1 Short and Starlo Taylor yeah. coming at you. They, they, I, we interviewed both of them earlier this week. They are two terrifyingly large men, yeah. and so quick as well, and their first step's incredible. What do you guys work on in the week to try and figure out blocking scheme to deal with those kind yeah, of guys? Yeah, you know, when you, guys, you got guys like that, you know, they're just great, they're great football players, and you talk about Kawan Short, I've been playing against him since college, so I knew going into it, like, you know, I, I had my hands full, but... Uh, you just you got to study and you got to practice hard and go out there and you got to execute the best you can and you got to realize that you're not going to win every battle against guys like that because they are they are great players but you just got to keep fighting and clawing and uh, do your best to get your job done. And then on the other side of the ball, Derek Wolf, who's just got better and better as this season has yeah. got on. Again, an inside guy. And it feels like yeah, if you try and force him to the outside, he's still going to be able to make a move. And if you let him on the inside, he's going to get to the quarterback. And yeah. I, just, I don't know what you do with a guy like that. Yeah, you know, Derek Wolf and Malik Jackson for them are yeah, great inside players. So, um, 
you know, like I say, you just got to prepare and be ready to play your hardest. And you can't, you know, you, you have to play to the, the echo of the whistle is what we call it. Just finish, finish, finish. And, uh, you know, like I said, try to win more than they do. And, uh, like, you know, those guys, they're going to they're gonna make their plays. They're great football players. But at the end of the day, you just got to do your best to execute and get the job done. And obviously they took you in the second round back in 2014, but there's been a lot of conversation about the Colts maybe not investing enough in the offensive line and, and getting you know enough guys in rotation and enough depth there. And certainly is that something that coming up to this draft, I mean, they didn't, I think they picked up a tackle in the seventh round last year yeah. and nothing before. Would you like to see them going a bit higher and, and helping you guys out a bit to protect Andrew? Yeah, you know, I think those are the decisions that are made by people, you know, way over my head. So I, <laughs> I can't comment on, you know, what who we're going to draft or what's all I know is that you know the guys in that room right now is we need, we need to get better and we need to work hard every day and I think we do have the guys that for the job and uh you know high, high character guys all the way around hard workers and it's just a matter of you know like I keep going back to going out there and executing and that starts right now in the off season and OTAs and mini camp and, and getting ourselves ready and going out there and having a great season I have one final guy I want to ask about and then we'll let you go Jack and it's a guy you have to face twice a season, and they might as well rename Defensive Player of the Year after him, and you know who I'm talking yeah. about. What, how do you play against J.J. Watt? Twice a year. You know, it's, he's... Do you he, mark that off on the schedule? You look at it and you go, like, you build for that week, or, or is it, it, it you, know, you fear? Um, AFC South has a, gr- a bunch of, you know, every, oh, every, every, every number 99 in the AFC South, if you think about Senderic <laughs> Marks, and then uh, Jarrell Casey, and then J.J. Yeah. Watt, all great players, so... Um, I think you can't let the name overwhelm you. Obviously, we all know who he is, what he's done, and um, you know how he is as a player. But you have to study him and prepare for him like you would every other player. And you can't you can't go out there and play against you know the guy you see on TV. You have to go out there and play against the guy across from you. And I think that's the way you need to approach it. And uh, I think if you do that, you know, like I said, at the end of the day, he's going to make his plays. We all know who he is, but. Um, you need to prepare like you like you would, you know, for anybody else, and, and go out there and play hard and execute, and you know, play every snap like it's your last one. Jack, it's a real pleasure chatting with you, and yeah. I always love getting a bit of line talking. It's yeah. been a great couple of days, <laughs> so awesome stuff. Thank you so much. For yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. See you in London. Yeah, see you in London. I could not resist asking Jack Muhort of the Indianapolis Colts about what it's like to try and block J.J. Watt. And, you know, uh, that division is just getting better and better, bringing in more pass rush, bringing in uh, you know, quarterbacks where they've needed them, running backs where they've needed them. Uh, the Jags defense looks much improved as well. Loving the AFC South right now. They've come a long way from potential division of disgrace last year. Yeah, they just so missed out on the title. Just, yeah, to the, I mean, the NFC East could be the division of disgrace again i'm not gonna lie let's see what the cowboys do and what doug peterson does uh we, we don't want to make any early assumptions it could be anyone it really could be anyone i like the way that we've uh we've now got the division of disgrace title it's yeah. great i think the nfc west if the seahawks have a real drop off no the cardinals are too good it won't be the nfc west uh nfc south the panthers you know too what it could good. be mm. if aaron Rodgers gets injured it could be who would love it to be the nfc north no, you wouldn't. You'd love it. Do you know what it? Do you know what it really could be? It could be the AFC East. The Dolphins have had a really uh, like a horrible drop off. The Jets. We don't know what they're going to do next year at the moment because Fitzpatrick. What happened there was kind of uh, 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 bottled magic, wasn't it? It was. Sorry, I had to play it. I could not. Uh, it was. Yeah, it was lightning in a bottle, and it was surprising that they managed that. Can they recreate that this season? 
the Bills are the Bills, and they've now got both Ryans in the building. So it could just be that the Patriots absolutely dominate that division yeah, again. Yeah. Which I, would be disgraceful. Maybe we won't get a division of disgrace. That is a possibility, Ollie. That is genuinely a possibility. We that could have no division sad. of disgrace. <laughs> I'm glad it I'm kind of glad it would make you sad in a little way. Right, let's just get to Twitter. We've had a few questions in on there. I haven't read any of these yet. So, oh, um, we're doing this live. <laughs> so, let's let's see if any of these uh, are going to be any good at all starting off with cal regular tweeter big friend of the show he asks who's the Dwayne bow of this year's free agency signings Dwayne bow <laughs> no wait um i mean Dwayne bow actually Dwayne could, Bowe be, the Dwayne could Bowe. be the Dwayne bow of this year's free agency signings if somebody decides to go out and re-sign Dwayne bow if an idiot goes out to re-sign <laughs> Dwayne bow what would be the most likely landing spot for Dwayne bow have we got a question like that? I, d- I don't think we've quite got a question like that. You're more than welcome to... I reckon to... someone like the Chargers who may need... Who may think that they need an extra pass catcher. Something like that. I, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it could be one of the running backs. Somebody could, could end up being massively overpaid, whether it's Lamar Miller, Chris Ivory. Doug Martin's deal has been criticised for giving him so much guaranteed money. Um so there's there's a few in that sort of area. I'm t- I'm just trying to think beyond that. Who's been? I mean, actually, the guys who have been massively overpaid are the guys going to the New York Giants. But I don't think any of them will be Dwayne Boesk. I don't yeah, think any of them yeah. will. I think they'll be overpaid, and we'll look at it next year and say, "Man, they've been overpaid." But I don't, I'm not quite sure. I think the jury's still out, Cal. But that's a very fluffy way of us saying. Do you know what? We could, don't know. Do you know who it could be? Mario Williams. <laughs> Uh, Could be Mario Williams. I mean, I like the fact they got him on a lot cheaper than he was at the Bills. He was always going to leave there, but uh, maybe being next to Indomitian Sue means that he will be productive either way, but it might be that Mario Williams has just gone off the boil. It's every possibility. Uh, Stephen Adams asks, where is the likely final destination? I don't know if that's meant to be a reference to the terrible mid noughties horror movies, Final Destination or not. Franchises, yeah. Uh, I hope franchises <laughs> of, yeah. of Cap, Fitzmagic and Johnny Football. Johnny Football. This feels like the uh, NFL equivalent of F*** Mario Void. <laughs> yeah, it really does. <laughs> Johnny Football and Void no, will let, be in jail. Yeah, yeah let's, let's, <laughs> let's say, let's change it to that. <laughs> Johnny Football will be in jail, avoid. Uh, you'd marry Fitzpatrick. He will be, I think he'll re- be re-signed by the Jets. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think he'll be re-signed by the Jets. I think they've been very clever. We said, I think we even said this last week, that there was a possibility that this happens. There's a chance Denver look at him. I think Denver are really interested in Kaepernick. I think they might even roll out Mark Sanchez if they have to. Um, I think Kaepernick... It, I think Kaepernick, it might end up that Kaepernick just stays in San Francisco. Well, do you know what? I was thinking exactly. Uh, wavelength, Will Gavin. The, wavelength. The, because Chip Kelly has said that he's going to coach the heck out of Colin Kaepernick if he stays on the strong roster. Strong language, Chip Kelly. Oh, yeah. Chelly. Uh, d- Chippy. Uh, Chelly is definitely better than Chippy. <laughs> Chippy's um, definitely better. <laughs> right. <laughs> when, the, when the season starts, we need to do one of those Twitter polls. Yes, absolutely. 100%. First 49ers game. We'll definitely do that. Uh, Kamenik, the big problem is the Broncos are willing to meet his contract, but not willing to go from a fourth round pick to a third round pick. The Browns are willing to pay a f- third round pick, 
but want him to renegotiate his contract. So the Broncos have right royally screwed us because he's like, well, I'm not going somewhere. I'm not going to get my contract if there's someone offering to pay my contract. I could stay where I am, get my money, play or not. And so, but the Broncos, I just don't understand. If you're willing to pay his contract, why not give a third round pick? If you're willing to give a third round pick, why not pay his contract? Uh, so maybe a deal gets done before April 1st, but we're two weeks out from that today. And actually, if he stayed on the 49ers, it wouldn't be that big a shock, no matter how much the Mike White would absolutely hate it. I would actually rather like it. Not to annoy Mike White, because I, this is a guy that managed to get a team to a Super Bowl. And he was decent. And two he, NFC Championship he games. Needs, he just needs a, a, a loving arm round his shoulder, someone to whisper in his ear that, Colin, you are good. Unfortunately, Chippy is not the kind of guy that will do that. There's an issue with his mechanics, throwing off the back shot, back foot too much. He, he needs to be worked on. When he says coach the hell out of him, he really needs to coach the hell out of him. They're, they need to build the offense around hiding those limitations, whether it's his inability to throw with touch. You know, they need to get him running the ball much more in designed runs. And you can do that. I mean, you, a lot of been talks about him or RG3. He's a better quarterback than RG3. He has more tools. He's had more success and he's not made of glass. But I, he might be one of those guys who bumps around the league for the next few years, never really makes anything of himself. And can say, well, one year I went to a Super Bowl, so whatevs. RG3, in this whole marry a void thing, is the girlfriend from out of town. Um, <laughs> where does he end up? Oh, I don't care anymore. Okay, uh, moving on. <laughs> uh, good question, though. Great question. Good work. And, uh, and an analogy. I thought it was a good analogy. It was quite a good analogy. Thanks, mate. Well done, mate. Feel, feel proud of yourself. I pat myself on the back. Uh, Neil Dustin asks, is there anyone still eating Mars bars? I haven't had a Mars bar in ages, but that's mainly because I don't really eat chocolate bars anymore. If I did have a Mars bar, I would put it in the fridge and then slice little slices of it and then eat those little slices. Bit uh, weird, I know, but hey. I think it's a bit, I like a Mars bar, but is this a weird reference to a news story from like three weeks ago uh, about how plastic be. was found in Mars bars? In Europe, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, People were still eating Mars bars on my, has that on my back, trip. Has that come back around today? I don't know. Is I that, don't know. Is that a thing? I, I can't be asked to Google it. Um, Do you... ah, as I scroll back up, brilliantly, Adam Foxcroft, who's another regular tweeter, replied to Cal's tweet going, Dwayne Bow potentially, if someone re-signs him. So, <laughs> Adam, wavelength, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ed Hayes asks, with the loss of Forte, the Bears made good moves in free agency. Playoff? Hashtag go Bears. Hashtag, don't hashtag 1985, Ed. You're better than that. Hashtag go Bears is fine. I actually prefer hashtag da Bears. Da Bears or bear down. I think I tweeted hashtag da Bears when I tweeted out that Viking story yesterday about them not changing the road. Nice uh, Ed, I think we've said we, we really like what they've done on the defense. If that comes together with Vic Fangio, um, I, I genuinely think that, do you know what I'd really like as a drop? Uh, actually, you won't get this reference at all because you haven't watched wrestling since you were like 10 years old because you're a normal human being. Yes, yes, I so am. So I'm going to drop it and maybe come back round to it. If we get Adam Rank back on, we'll do it with him because uh, he'll get the he'll understand what I'm doing. Uh, Vic Fangio, if he can get that front seven going, the, I mean, just Jay Cutler. I hate rooting for Jay Cutler. That's my only problem. Well, the, the, but there's potential for them to be a playoff team. Lance Dunbar was visiting them yesterday, uh, visiting the Bears. Obviously, the Cowboys running back who had a few issues last year he's it, but had a very good three or four games at the very beginning of last he's season he's a good pass catcher as well yeah, and they're so going to be lacking that with matt forte he's, he's um a less 
tried and tested version of Matt Forte. I, I would I would say good pass catcher can can run north south as well. There we go. <laughs> but they haven't signed him yet, so it may not work. Uh, just comparing him to Matt Forte deserved that. Uh, look, I think that's all we've got time for. Ollie, you've got to go to work. I've got to edit this podcast. And uh, just generally, I need to probably get, get out of these uh, bright yellow gonzo pajamas. <laughs> and... They are fantastic, though. <laughs> <laughs> There's flying gonzo on there. Super gonzo. There's cool um, disco gonzo. Disco gonzo. Wow. Wow. And yeah. just wow, maybe that should be the picture for the <laughs> for the for the today's podcast. podcast. New <laughs> uh, right, so thank you as always for listening. Keep getting in touch with us at Gridiron. Uh, we are just under a month, just over a month away from the schedule schedule being announced. So go out and uh, and check proud out of you, buddy. SportsTravelTours.com because our tour will be announced on there. Get your money saved up. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, otherwise. Ollie, any final thoughts? Just trying to find a picture of Gonzo in an American football helmet, but I can't. Uh, fine, right. <laughs> Otherwise, thank you very much for listening. This has been The Gridiron Show. <laughs>